Hello everyone. It's again a privilege to share the Word of God with you, even though we are not close, not together physically. It's amazing. It's a joy to be connected in the same sense of praise and worship to our sovereign and almighty God. Difficult times for all, I'm sure that you think the same. Times of uncertainty for some, times of despair and fear for many. Times when our faith and trust in the God who creates and sustains all things will be strengthened and shared with those around us. This is our time now. It's the time for the church to be strong when everybody around us is not so strong. Let's pray together. Lord, once again, it's a privilege to be here. As church, we are together, not physically, but we are together. Together to praise your name, together to worship you, and together to share your word, your will, your desire, your plan for us as a church and as children of you. Please bless us in this moment. Bless me. Take my life in your hands again. Don't let the language or the limitation that I have, my fragilities, be a barrier to the act of your Holy Spirit in our lives today, in this moment. Please bless us with your word, is my prayer, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Our current series of sermons is entitled, Follow Your Leader Too. And we have explored the theme of discipleship through the Gospel of John. There is no doubt here that Jesus is the leader most of us, or some of us, is following. Maybe for some, that is, some of you that is listening to this message or watching us in this moment, Jesus is not yet the leader you are following. But maybe this is the time to think about it. We have heard about how the one we call the leader and Lord of our lives expects us to live, especially in times like these ones that we are in. As some of you have heard before, and I thank Paul for this, ex this expression, we are always following somebody or following something. So the question is back. The question that we can make today again who is your leader? The other one is, who or what are you following in your life or with your life? Do you know? Do you have an answer for these questions? My topic in this series today is, in this list that we have for many days and many sermons, my topic is, follow my leader to be successful. Not to know how, not to learn how, but to be successful. My head and my heart work with concepts and definitions. I need to be very clear about these, my concepts, my definitions, before I try to build an idea on the subjects I live on. I believe that many of you, or many of us, work like that. And this is the reason sometimes we cannot agree in some ideas. We have different concepts. We have different definitions. Mainly because 
we have different sources to establish these concepts and definitions. So, another question that we can do, or we can make, what is success? What is success? Or the other one, what does it mean to be successful? We have many answers, I know, I'm sure about that. But the, the definition we must find in the dictionaries is this one, success. And we have the pronouns there, and we have there is a noun, and we have, there is a noun like success, and a plural noun as successes. And the definition is an accomplishment of an aim or purpose. An accomplishment of an aim or purpose. And I searched Google for some variations of this question. How to be successful? Successful? What does it mean to be, means to be successful? How to succeed in life? And for my surprise, more than one billion of references emerged from Google. Books, programs, classes, steps, shows, business proposals, sermons, tips, and much more. This one, in all the references that I found there, called my attention. And it's from an interview in a school in Ghana, a teacher that interviewed the students to see how they understand success. And I will read for you. For Anne, a class 8 student, success means academic achievement and finishing at the top of her class. For Yusuf, success means graduating from high school and getting a college education. Omondi believes success is a steady job and stable income so that he can provide for his family. For some, it is marrying the right person, having beautiful kids, acquiring wealth, or being popular. For others, it means being recognized and appreciated for one's talents, whether they be in music, arts, sports, or another field. Young women often pursue success in relationships and the search for security, while young men often look for success through significance and recognition on approval from others. If we are honest with ourselves, we may hold one of these common views about success. Maybe one of these reasons, it's our reason as well, to achieve things. We love to celebrate our achievements. Yes, it's good. We rejoice together every Sunday when the most diverse stories of victory and overcoming are shared among us here. And of course, very well recognized with the fudge reward. <laughs> I love the fudge. But how long this success lasts? In the Bible, in the Word of God, success is not about achieving things. Rather, biblical success is about faithfulness to God. 
Let's try to locate ourselves on this journey with John the Evangelist. This is our contest. Jesus is again in Jerusalem for the Passover, the Pesach of the Jewish people. The last one of Jesus with his beloved apostles. It's the last one that he will give, that he should give with them. As some of us could have heard last week when Peter Hope, in a brilliant way, showed us how Jesus, knowing it was his last hours, he taught humility by washing the feet of his disciples in chapter 13. Not only humility, but love in that opportunity. It's impossible to learn humility without learning about love. It's impossible to have humility without love in our hearts. It is impossible to put humility into practice without love. Jesus brings a new commandment about that love. Just as Jesus himself set the example of humility in the same way, he is the example of the perfect love, a different love with a much higher level of commitment. And the verse is the 34th of the chapter 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's a new commandment, a new command, a new order. It's important to understand this. Jesus is giving us, like gave them, a new command. According to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who also narrate the life of Jesus, this is the moment when the Lord's Supper, the communion, is instituted as a memorial of what Jesus would, would do shortly afterwards that moment. Give his life so that we would have life. In chapter 14, Jesus comforts his disciples and makes it clear that the way we show whether we love him or not is obedience. If you love me, you obey my commandments. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Chapter 14, verse 15. Still in chapter 14, John narrates Jesus' promise regarding promise regarding the Holy Spirit who would come to be with them forever and with those who love the Lord, us. And yet, a special promise for us for the moment we are living now. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Is the verse 27 of the chapter 14. Special for us in this moment. Do, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We have Jesus' peace with us. Chapter 14 ends with the following sentence in the verse 30, 31. Come now, let us leave. 
they finished that time together. They finished the supper, they finished the communion, they finished the Pesach, and they left that room. Now, we come to the test we read earlier. They left that house where they were inside, inside the walls of Jerusalem, and start walking. Walking towards a place outside the city, which is the Gethsemane. We will find this later on in chapter 18. Jesus continues to teach them as they walk, and as often uses the parable for this. He says in verses 1 and 2 for the chapter 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he cleans, so that it will be even more fruitful. John 15, 1 and 2. The vine is one of the symbols that represented Israel, the chosen people of God, so flawed and fragile. But this is why Jesus uses the adjective true. I am the true vine. If there is a true vine, it's because there was or there is a false one. We need to be very aware about Jesus being the true vine, being the tree, the real one that brings life. In this verse, Jesus talked about himself and about the Father and the way the Father and Jesus deal with our lives has to do with the fruit, which has its origin in the trunk, in the tree and is taken care of by the gardener. This, even the vine and the gardener, are looking specific to the fruit. In the next verses that we can see, verses 3 and 4, an interesting expression comes here. Jesus is telling to these apostles that were with him before, when we see that specific moment of the washing feet. And he says, You are already clean because of the word, the word I have spoken to you. This is the same expression that Jesus spoke to them in the verse 10 of the chapter 13, when he referred to the washing of the feet. Everything they had heard came from the Father and cleaned them up so that they would bear fruit. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. John 15 verses 3 and 4. However, even they are already cleaned, there is a condition here. There is an if for us. There is a condition here for this branch to bear fruit. It is not enough just to be clean. It is necessary to remain on the vine. 
The branch alone by itself cannot produce fruit. It needs to be connected to the trunk, receiving life, receiving everything that he needs, that the, the, the branch needs to give some fruit. The verse 5, and this is one of our verses of the year for us. We have three. But then in verse 5, the parable gets names and real characters. Jesus explains who he is and who we are, who the apostles were in that parable. It goes further and makes it clear that this is the true success, the true and the real success, bearing fruit that comes from him, from Jesus, and that is produced by his presence in us. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is really strong. This is really strong coming from Jesus. He is divine and we are branches. We remain on him. We are connected to him. Not only close to him, not only because we know that he is divine, we are branches connected to the trunk. We receive the life and we keep receiving everything that we need from Jesus. And the target is the fruit. Apart of Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. This is a strong statement. And regarding this statement of Jesus, we can clearly, clearly understand what Paul said when he wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 13. So well-known verse for many of the people around us or us in the church. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So many times, with a bad interpretation, this verse was put in the wrong place. But here, understanding the first statement of Jesus Christ, being divine and telling us that we can do nothing apart from him, we can understand what Paul says, that we can do everything if he, Jesus Christ, is our strength. If he is the life that comes from the trunk and feeds the branch. And if he is, if he is the reason for our lives. If we breathe just because he wants and allows us to breathe. This is the reason I can do everything I can pass through all the moments and circumstances in my life if my strength comes from Jesus Christ, the true vine that feeds me. This is what Jesus says to us. If he is with me, I can do everything. Apart from him, I can do nothing. Of course that we can do things. Of course that we can 
prepare things and we can achieve, achieve things. We can beat some problems in our lives. But how long they will last? How long our achievement will be there for us and to feed us? What we can see here in this statement of John in the chapter 15, the verse 5, is that nothing without Jesus will last. Only Him can do this. In this relationship and condition between remaining in Christ and His words, remaining in us every moment of our lives, we see the fruits in our lives. We can see what He wants us to see. And in this, in the fruits, the Father, the Almighty God is glorified. The verse 8 of the chapter 15 tells us, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus says again that remaining in Him is to remain in His love. If we are in Him, we can ask everything and it will be done. Not because I can do everything or I can ask for everything that I want in my heart, but because being connected in Jesus Christ, my question, my desire, my feeling will be the feeling, the desire, the will of the trunk. The branch has anything for himself, but the target is the fruit. Jesus said that, and I will repeat, to remain in him is to remain in his love. And the one who loves him keeps his commandments. Again, this relation, this relationship between love, obedience, and now the fruit for the glory of the Father. Jesus being the very example of all of this. He is the obedient son that fulfilled his father's will and project and plans. He is the one that loves in a way I don't know who can love more than him. He is the one that fruit, that give, that gave, that keep going, keep giving all the fruits that can give. Jesus is the biggest, the perfect example and model that we have. In verse 11 of this same chapter 15, we can read this. this I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I can find in this verse the best definition for our topic to be successful. I have told this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My joy may be in you and your joy, our joy, may be 
complete. This is everything we need to be successful. Our joy to be complete. Because the joy of Jesus Christ is in us. We don't need anything more. Or nothing more in the better English. We will not be able to have this joy in the achievements of our own plans. We will have joys, of course, but it will be fleeting because soon we will have other goals, other targets. We were never satisfied. This is us. We are this way, it's our nature. Everything that we have as achievement is for a short time and will pass. It's vain. We'll go. How long do we remember the achievements that we had last year? How long are we satisfied with the things that we have now rather than try to have another things, better things, different things? And maybe there is no problem in this but the problem is put our hearts in this as our success. A good colleague that I had, good friend of mine, his name is Alex Kovalenko. He's a missionary from Australia. He's in Portugal now. In one of his uh, sermons, he gave me this statement. There is a paradox for us. We are the generation with more and more opportunities for fun and entertainment. But we are the generation with less and less and less satisfaction. We don't have satisfaction. We cannot be okay with the success that we reach today because we know that it will not last for long. The verses 12 and 13 in the chapter 15 tells us something that is very strange. Because Jesus come back or comes back to the commandment, to the new command that he gave there in chapter 13. In verses 12 and 13, Jesus makes a point of reaffirming his new commandment about love. The way he loved must be the example and practice for our lives. Jesus loved to the point of giving his life for his friends and more for us when we were still his enemies, as Paul says to Romans. It will be impossible to have the complete joy of Jesus in us if we do not also have his perfect love as a practice in our lives. Sometimes we are so tied to the things we heard before that we cannot see how wide and how great is this new commandment. I remember the passage when Jesus was asked about who is, who is the biggest or which one is the biggest commandment. And the answer was there. Love your God after everyone and love your neighbor, neighbor as yourself. 
And we are still tied to this statement. Maybe we cannot give all the authority that Jesus have to give us this commandment about love. Jesus tells us there is a new one, not having my love for myself as the standard, but having him, his love, his perfect love at the standard for loving each other. We heard this from Peter as well. It will be impossible to have the joy completely in our lives if we don't know about this love in this new commandment. For the third time, in the verse 17, Jesus finished this paragraph telling this, this, this statement. This is my command. Love each other. For the third time, Jesus tells us to love each other, to love one and other, to love. Love like we can hear and we can see in these verses, because no one, let me find the verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. That's what we heard. Are we successful enough to give our lives in love for others? To be like Jesus and have this love in our lives to show who Jesus is? By the standards of the world, Jesus was a big failure. He had nothing. He had nothing. No money, no properties, no wealthy. Not a big name, not a status position, not recognized for everyone. Jesus was a big failure. This is what the society, this is what the world around us says to us. If you don't have these things, you are not successful. But by the standards of the sovereign, the most high and almighty God, Jesus consummated the task he received for the glory of the Father and for the redemption of the lost man. Jesus, completely successful. Jesus did what he should have done. Let's follow him to be successful. Let's give our lives, our lives, to follow Jesus and to show to the world who he is to us. Because of his joy in our lives, because of his love in our lives, because of his success, we can be successful. Let's follow him to be successful. And may God Bless us.